containers in the building. With Hollywood code, I'm with Marley G, bro. Flying Holly Grow chicks to my Hollywood shows. And I wanna tell you something that you probably should know. This that slum dog, millionaire Bollywood flow. And uh, my real friends never hearing from me. Fake Tradition friends write the, the wrong authority answers authority on the mirror. I'm your host, Kevin Steele. You can find me on Twitter at FantasyRat13. Join as always by Cody Kutzer. You can find him on Twitter at CKutzerFF. And join for the first time. Special guest, Katie. Katie, you can find her on Twitter at KatieBabs23. How are you doing tonight? Doing well. How about you guys? Doing all right. Not 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 too bad. Still still a lot of craziness going on whenever we talked with uh, Eric last week on the, the second episode of The Front Lines of Fantasy. I said that stuff was kind of weighing heavy on my mind, and somehow it's only gotten crazier since then. But, you know, we, we won't dive into that. I know there's a lot of people out there who are – who are only here for their sports. This is what they're here for, just the sports. Can't talk about anything else. So we uh, we will keep it to uh, we'll keep it to sports here for today anyway. Yep, that's the world we live in right now. You know, you can't be a person and have an opinion on anything. So you have to be a robot for the for the people. We so, all need our, our safe spaces, apparently. Yeah. So anyways, uh really appreciate everybody checking out the show. Please hit that like subscribe button for future content. You can also check out Cody just actually released a top 10 rookie running back video that uh, was very well done. I was very impressed. It was his first time putting together a video like that, or actually second time, I should say. Uh, and he, uh, he did a good job. So go check that out. Um, if you're looking for that kind of content. Also, if you want to ask, ask any questions, whether it's keeper, dynasty, redraft, Roster construction strategy base. You can jump into our Slack chat. You can find that in the description below, whether it's in the podcast or on YouTube. You can also jump in there and you can uh, interact with us, uh, especially with redraft only a couple of months away. So with that, why don't we just go ahead and kind of get into some things here. Uh, Katie, I know that you are a big TV film uh, person. So uh, we with honor that question of the week this week is going to be top five favorite sports movies. So... Why don't you just lead it off and tell us uh, a couple of your favorite uh, movies? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, this was a, a tough question for me because you, you always kind of, you know, there's movies that are like definite sports movie category, but then there's kind of like some sports adjacent movies that like sports are part of it, but maybe not like the whole storyline. So I made sure to throw one of those in for debate's sake to see if you guys think it's actually a sports movie or not. But um, I'd have to say, Top five, I'd go with, obviously, Remember the Titans, legendary movie, great movie, still somehow very relevant for uh, the times we're living in. Everybody should go watch that, <laughs> make you feel better about what's going on. Um, the next one, and this might be a little bit controversial, I know some people didn't uh, like this movie very much, but Draft Day, with Kevin Costner. I love that movie. I'm just a big nerd about football, and up until, like, I, the last couple of years, I really didn't pay attention to the actual NFL draft that much. Um, then I watched that movie and I was like, man, there's so much that goes into this. So um, I, I really like that one. Uh, the Blind Side, got to get another football movie in there. My girl, Sandra B, respect. 
Coach Carter is probably one of my other favorite sports movies. Fantastic movie. Gotta love it. And then my last one, my controversial-ish, maybe it's not pick, would be She's the Man. Um, it's not all, like all focused on soccer, but soccer is kind of an integral part of the storyline. And I tell you, when I was in high school, me and my friends watched my She's the Man DVD literally every weekend, so much so to the point that it started skipping. So um, that was one of the things that came to mind. And maybe maybe that's not considered a sports movie, but I would argue that it, that it fits. Kev, I cannot jump in on the She's the Man uh, discussion <laughs> because I, that's another movie that I have not seen. So can, can you enlighten us? Can you, can you debate Katie here at all? I, I cannot. That's uh, I've seen a lot of movies, especially sports movies, and I have not seen that one. Okay. Well, that one have like Lizzie McGuire or whatever the girl from Lizzie McGuire. Well, it was Amanda Bynes. So uh, the the this yes, those are two different people. <laughs> um, the story. Oh, that's like, Hillary Duff, right? <laughs> yes, Lizzie McGuire was Hillary Duff. Yes, um, but the storyline is that there's this girl. Uh, and she, her school's soccer team gets cut and her uh, twin brother that goes to this like fancy prep school with a really good soccer team um, decides he's going to like ditch school and go like be a rock star or something. Uh, and so she decides that she's going to pretend to be a dude so she can play on the guy's soccer team at his school Um and hilarity ensues as she tries to figure out how to be a guy. Um, it's pretty funny. And has Chance in it and Amanda Bynes. And yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to watch it. I'm going to have to check this out. I've not, I, I don't even know if I've ever heard of it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, we were obsessed I with it when I was in high school. Yeah. It's actually uh, based off of like, the Shakespeare play, the 12th night. Cause there's a lot of people pretending to be other people. And um, there's some really interesting like internet threads about the parallels between the two. So Shakespearean soccer cross-dressing. <laughs> What's not to love. Right. I don't know other people who have seen it. Maybe they'll want to debate me because there really isn't actually that much soccer play in the movie, which is why I wasn't sure if it would, really count but i'm saying it counts so. i mean it's kind of like a little bit like um friday night lights right they were the tv show right where right. it's, it's oh. more around everything else that's, oh yeah one of the best that's one of the one of my favorite <laughs> so TV shows ever but yeah where it's based around i mean football is a part of it is yeah uh, but it's not but everything else is it's more about everything else that's going on and like how they cope with life and everything else yeah right yeah so <laughs> No, but I, I like the list. Other than that, I mean, I just haven't seen that one. So, uh, yes, Cody, w what is your top five? In uh, in no particular order, I'm going basketball. If you haven't seen that one, it's uh, the same people are in it. They're the ones that have created South Park. It's so uh, funny. Um, Major League, Sandlot, White Men Can't Jump, and Talladega Nights. <laughs> So like Talladega Nights is just a it, that's a classic, man. Yeah, but I don't understand though, that you know it's about NASCAR as well. So I mean, yeah, but it's, it's like making, it's like making fun of it though. It's it's not really about NASCAR. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't really care for all this uh, this negativity you're throwing towards NASCAR. Uh, NASCAR <laughs> is great. It's the only sport we have right now, so you should really be you know more appreciative <laughs> of it. 
Hopefully not for know it exists right now. But if you keep talking like that, I'm going to come at you like a spider monkey chip. All right. Well, you know, I'm all jacked up a Mountain Dew. So, <laughs> all right. So, so my list, you know, uh, has a little bit more seriousness. And then, you know, obviously Major League. But mine's obviously Remember the Titans. Love that movie as well. And then it is Major League, which is the Major League 1 and 2 are amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are you telling me Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> <laughs> That has to be the the most quoted line out of that movie, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And then uh, the Rocky franchise, absolutely love that. Any Given Sunday is one of the most underrated football movies there is. Uh, I don't know why that's not higher up on most people's list. It was uh, fantastic. Uh, Amazing cast, too, in that. You know, I mean, LT himself was in that movie. So I I don't know people, you know, L Cool J and Jamie Foxx, Al Pacino. I mean, the list goes on with Cameron Diaz. So anyway. And then Days of Thunder, of course, which is an absolute classic. Uh, Tom Cruise, 80s, uh, you know. So NASCAR movie. I don't know what there's not to love. Uh, I really wish you guys would watch it. You guys should because it's, it's uh, fantastic. I'll put it on my list. I won't. <laughs> Have you seen at least Top Gun? I think bits and pieces. I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing. It's pretty good. If you like Top Gun, you'll love Days of Thunder. All right. I'll put it on the list. It's amazing. Love it. So I can't believe you haven't seen Top Gun. Like the the the, the Maverick is coming out. Well, it was supposed to come out. I don't think it probably won't be till next year now. But could you need to like just like binge watch some some shows and some movies? Yeah. And I'm just telling you. Listen, man. If you want to come and deliver the mail and then take my child and my wife away for for like a week or two, I will. I will happily watch whatever whatever you want me to watch, Kev. Yeah. You bring the the box over. You drop it at the door. Take the wife and the kid and the job. And dude, I will. I will watch all these happily. I will. That's what I'll do. That I will do that for you. I will take one for the team so you can watch some of these movies. <laughs> This is this is now recorded, and I will be holding you to this. All right, let's go. It's on, it's uh, on the record. So, anyways, that wraps up uh, that. So, uh, why don't you guys uh, let us know what your top five favorite sports movies are right now? Uh, you know, in the comments, or you can reach out to us on Twitter uh, and let us know. So, with that, why don't we just go ahead and jump into the main content? Which tonight we're going to be talking about some of our favorite breakout candidates for 2020. Basically, these are any player who has not had a top 12 season as a quarterback, running back, or tight end, or because wide receiver is a little bit deeper, a top 24 as a wide receiver. So we all put together our, our top five, and we'll kind of go through that, go through this list. We'll start at five, and we'll work our way up to our number one guy here. And so for me, or actually, uh, Katie, why don't you, you're the guest, why don't you go ahead and start us off and tell us who your number five is? All right. Well, uh, my number five would be Noah Fant. Um, I just I have been seeing a lot of stuff that he's been working with Drew Locke in the offseason, building up that chemistry. Um, I know there's a lot of you know targets for Locke to go to now with a, a couple of you know good draft picks and whatnot. But uh, you know, I think we kind of saw flashes of what Fant will will be able to do. Um, and there were actually I, I looked it up last year, there were only four games where he had more than four targets over the whole season. So I think if he can just get that target share up a little bit, then we'll definitely be able to see him uh, get some more yardage and, and get into the end zone more uh, than he did last year. So that's definitely one player that I'm keeping my eye on. And the nice thing is I, I feel like his ADP in a lot of drafts is pretty 
I mean, he's relatively cheap in my eyes compared to some of the other tight ends. So um, I, I tend to be a person that kind of waits on tight end. And so that's one of the people that I'm targeting kind of later in the draft. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's in like that crowd of a situation. I mean, the, obviously Sutton and then Jerry Judy, who they just drafted. But yeah. I mean, that, that that's pretty similar to most teams. I mean, you look at uh, last year with like the Falcons, for example, and right. um, you know with Austin Hooper and what he was able to do with Julio and uh, Calvin Ridley still there. So yeah. I, I don't think that's crazy. I love Noah Fant. The dude is is absolutely a, a, an absolute beast athletically. Um, Tess is one of the best, you know, athletic tight ends in the league. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. last year, last year he well outplayed his expectation as mm-hmm. a rookie. I mean, we know it takes uh, rookie tight ends to, I mean, it takes tight ends three or four years to really catch on. Some may not even tell their second team till they really start to um, progress. So I, I really, I really like that call. And I think that he is somebody, cause I think we're, I mean, he's going in what, like the 10th, 11th round, 12th round, something like that usually has the 12th, 13th, 14th tight end. So mm-hmm. he's got great value, especially, you know, with some of the, you know, big name tight ends that, that go super early. I mean, I personally choose to kind of wait uh, until the later rounds when he and a couple of other guys are still there. So, yeah, I love that call. I also have a tight end I'm going to throw in here as well. And it's it's kind of weird to it seems like tight end maybe isn't going to be that awful this mm-hmm. year. It was really weird to say, but there's a there's a lot of really nice options. I'm going to throw out Chris Herndon. Uh, we thought that breakout was coming last year. Then he started the year off with what I think was like a four-game suspension. Then I think he only played was like twenty snaps or something. But when, whenever he got back, then he got hurt. Um, obviously, the the Jets added Denzel Mims this season, but outside of that, it's Crowder, I guess Lev Bell, depending on how he will or will not be used in the in the Adam Gates mm-hmm. offense. And we saw it down the stretch. Um, during Herndon's rookie season, I think there were out of the last like six weeks, I think all but two of his games, he had at least four targets, which doesn't sound like a lot. I realize it, but at the tight end position, if you're getting at least four targets every, every week um, as a rookie with, I think that was uh, Darnold's rookie year as well. So hopefully that chemistry can continue to grow. And I think this will be the, this will be the year that we see Herndon pop as well. Yeah, definitely. I think the loss of Robbie Anderson will will free up quite a few looks for for Herndon too. Yeah, I remember last year, uh, all like literally every week once he was coming back, we're like waiver wire pickup this week. Pick up Chris Herndon; he's <laughs> yeah. gonna break out. And every week we just kept waiting. We kept pushing the goalpost back, pushing it back until he got hurt and it was out for the year. But yeah, I love Chris Herndon. We saw what he did his rookie again, another guy in his rookie year that really popped that people weren't really expecting him. He's he was much more not on people's radars. So. I, I remember playing a lot in DFS and really looking at his routes run and everything. And um, he was running a lot of routes and uh, super efficient. So I do like him. Um, they, they did bring back what, Ryan Griffin. I think that offense takes a step forward this year, or I hope it does. Uh, you never know with Adam Gase and what to expect from him. So, um, yeah, I like that call as well as another one of those late round tight ends. And again, I mean, I guess I'll just keep it going. And my five is actually Johnny Smith, who, you know, as a whole, like I'm not super high on this entire offense. Um, I think a lot of people are, I know people are really super high on Derrick Henry. I am not, I have him as like a borderline RB, you know, as a borderline RB one, I have him as a uh, running back RB nine right now in my rankings. Uh, AJ Brown, I think is going a little bit too high than, than for mm-hmm. my liking. However, I think the value here is Johnny Smith because they really don't have a number two tar. I mean, the, 
I guess you could make a, a case for for Corey Davis, but Corey Davis is not, hasn't broken out yet. I know some people are are still baiting that drum for Corey Davis, and maybe he does it again this year, uh, or maybe he actually does it this year. I'm not I'm not sold, but Johnny Smith I think steps into a really nice situation here. If you look at it, Adam last year, he really started coming on down the stretch. Uh, the three of the last four weeks, he scored double digit fantasy points, which for a tight end, we will take that. All, all, all ran a lot of routes, and that's. That's exactly what you're looking for. I mean, he played at least 78% of the snaps every single game. You have to go all the way back to week six. So he was not, it took him a while to get going, but once Ryan Tanhill and that offense start going, and I personally don't think that they're going to be able to run the ball as much as they did last year. I think that that was, they caught lightning in the bottle. And so if they have to open the offense up and throw the ball more, I think that spells good things for Johnny Smith. I think he's somebody that's going to see a lot of red zone targets, super athletic tight end, and he's still young. He's only 24 years old. His 83rd percentile, his burst score is 94th percentile. So I love Johnny Smith, and he's another guy that you can kind of get in that 14 to 18 range among tight ends as that late round tight end. And I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes a top five tight end, to be honest. Top, you're just going to nonchalantly dr- drop that fire in there at the, at the end and try and move on. Top five at tight end. <laughs> Yeah, I do. Well, like, hey, I, I, top I, five tight end. Hey, Katie, who's next for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I, that's a pretty fiery take there, Kev. I don't. I don't think that is because for me, it's like you have the three tight ends, right? You have the big three and Mark Andrews. You could maybe consider his top four with Zach Ertz, but I think with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard and some of the other things they have, I do think that's going to hurt Zach Ertz. So for me, it's Mark Andrews, uh, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. And then past that, it could be fucking, I mean, you really could take fucking anything if you want, throw them all in a bag, mix it up and pull one out. And it wouldn't surprise me who that guy is that finishes after that, right? Because the tight end position is so volatile. But I think for Johnny Smith, I wouldn't be surprised if he sees somewhere in a 20 to 25% target share range. If they have to run the, or if they have to throw the ball more, which I do expect their defense, they lost a lot of places along that defense. They did make some upgrades, but still, like, I think that this is going to be a different year for this team. And I do not think that's going to be able to do the things they're able to do and really try to run the ball like they like to. So for me, no, I, I don't think it's crazy to say that he has the potential to be a top five tight end. All right. Planting the flag there. <laughs> yep. Team um, Janu. So I, maybe we could make like a friendly wager on that because my uh, next guy on the list is also a tight end, which I agree with you, Cody. I, th- I think Maybe we're kidding ourselves, but I think maybe this year won't be as horrible, hopefully, uh, with, with the tight end position. But I would be willing to say that if both guys end up playing a full season, that Will Disley will – Johnny Smith. If, if they both you know stay healthy for the full season. That's, that's my opinion. I mean, when, when Disley was healthy, uh, his first four games his rookie year – he scored two de- two touchdowns in just four games his rookie year, and then you know we were all excited for him to come back last year. He got to play six games this time before he tore his Achilles, and um, in in those six games he upped his touchdowns to four touchdowns just in those six games. So um, you know Wilson has a great connection with him. I know that tight end room is a little bit crowded right now, but I think Disley is Wilson's guy. I'm not super worried about Greg Olson at all. Can that dude even run anymore? Like. Come on, man. You got to hang it up at some point, dude. Like, But I think Disley has a chance to really have a full-on breakout season if he can stay healthy. No, I don't hate that. I mean, if we want to play that, we can play. You take Disley and I'll take Johnny Smith. I feel pretty confident in that. You know, like I don't hate Will Disley. I remember the game I, I believe he had against the Cardinals last year in DFS. I remember that game uh, mm-hmm. well because you targeted tight ends against 
Um, yeah. I guess the Cardinals last year, it was uh, you printed money that way. So, and I know he had a really big game that week. But that that would be my concern. I guess the other concern would be the fact that they don't throw the ball that much, which is no different than Johnny Smith, right? But sure. they do have uh, Tyler Lockett as well as DK Metcalf. Uh, who might also be on somebody's list here as well, the the man-child that is DK Metcalf. DK? I thought maybe you were referring to me as man-child. Um, at number four, I'm going to go with David Montgomery. I'm not jumping off the wagon. If, if you look at how bad that offense was last year, if it even improves slightly, I think that could have a drastic change in what Montgomery does. Um, whenever we're looking at these kind of things, what we need to do is we need to chase volume. Right. Uh, With Monty last year, he had 267 touches. If that passing, like I said, if that passing game can improve even slightly, that's going to help him out. Um, He was 13th in evaded tackles, 17th in yards created last year. And according to Football Outsiders, the Bears hat were 29th in adjusted line yards. So if that situation improves even slightly and he can stay around that same area with touches, and you want to talk about someone cheap and chasing volume. I think David Montgomery is a is a perfect RB2 target or even a semi-kind-of-adjusted uh, zero-RB target um, to be able to get those kind of touches um, at, at such a cheap price. As you mentioned, I think uh, volume is absolutely king, and he is somebody yeah. that is certainly people are soured upon, at least right now, uh, going in like that fourth, fifth-round range. I mean, you could get as your RB3, possibly even RB4, Depending on how you know you shake your draft shakes out and stuff like that, so I, I don't hate David Montgomery. I think this offense, like we've talked about before, I think this offense gets better. We talked about this last week with second, you know, the second year guys, and I do think this offense takes a step forward this year with Allen Robinson. And I think there's I, somebody else has a bear on their list as well, but in the passing game. So uh, we will talk about that in a second. But for me, my number four is Daniel Jones. Uh, so let's let's uh, you know break open the quarterback room here. I like Daniel Jones a lot. For me, it was between him and Baker Mayfield as who I was going to go with. I thought Baker Mayfield was a little bit too obvious, so I decided to go with Daniel Jones. He certainly had his struggles last year, but overall, like if you really look at it, you know how many how many games he played with a full allotment of weapons with you know Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, and Darius Slayton. Do you know how many and Saquon zero? Uh, because they were all hurt for most of the year last year. So I think once you get all those guys back, uh, they were seventh in um, passing plays or passing plays per game and I don't think that defense is getting any better so that's one thing that we definitely look for is volume he also he also can use his legs not as much as some of these other guys he's not like a Josh Allen or anything like that however uh he he can get you know pick up some points on the ground he finished 16th and with uh fantasy points per game with 16.2 but like I mentioned I feel like with having all of his target or having all of his weapons back will really go a long way uh, he certainly had his ups and downs last year. He was boom or bust. Uh, he scored 32 fantasy points week three, and then 12, 10, 5, 10, then 28, 11, 28, 14, 8, 35, and 14. So he has that He has that in his bag of, of tricks here. And so he's somebody that I do like. And I think that somebody, if you're waiting on tight end, or excuse me, waiting on quarterback, that I have no problem with taking. Kind of feels like he's getting like he's getting a little bit of hype and he's getting pushed up though. Like he's like for me, he seems to be someone who's going a little too early. Yeah, definitely agree. I mean, it just depends. I think he's probably somewhere what going somewhere around for most people. 
I think I have him as a uh, right outside of a QB one in my rankings. I, I go back and forth with him between him and Baker Mayfield because I think both of them have the possibility of breaking out, and I think people are less on Baker Mayfield. I, I don't know. I, I just think everything is here for Baker. Excuse me for Daniel Jones to break out with having all the weapons, like I mentioned, and then not to mention the fact that I think their defense is still going to be atrocious, and so they're going to have to throw the ball a ton to be able to stay in the game. And so with those things considered and his his ability to be able to get outside the pocket, I think he's more Alex Smith where he's a functional runner. He's not somebody that um, looks to run, but I think he has the, he has that, he has that ability to be able to get outside of the pocket and make plays on it with his legs. So with all those things considered, entire offense outside of Saquon is you can get a lot of value there because Darius Slayton, I think is the first wide receiver coming off the board for them. It's like wide receiver 40. And I think that's atrocious. Uh, Sterling Shepard, if he can stay healthy and not uh, the, the concussions, I think he is somebody that you know people should be looking at later in drafts as well. So this entire offense, um, I really like. I think it take a step forward. All right, so let's go move on to the number three spot. Uh, Katie, who you got here? Got I, and if I remember right, Kevin, you used to be a, a truther on this with me, but I got Darius guys finally breaking out. You know, we I, I, when I first was writing for uh, the Fantasy Authority, it was like right when he was coming in as a rookie, and I was so excited to to see him do his thing. Uh, and then, you know, as we all know, he tore his ACL in preseason. It was awful. Uh, and then he got to come back from that last year. Um, he then sprained his MCL. So we've yet to see him kind of at his top performance. Um, but even in the five games that he got to play last year, his yards per carry was pretty high. Um, he scored a couple touchdowns. We saw his uh, kind of upside in the game against Carolina. He had 10 carries for 129 yards and two touchdowns. So, I mean, I'll take that all day at at the price that he's at. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I liked his game and stuff. So I started kind of following him on, on socials and stuff and seems like a pretty cool dude. So I just kind of hope, you know, there's those kind of guys that you always just root for and you want to see do well. And so he's one that I haven't been able to let go of yet. I have to say, though, if it doesn't happen this season, I'll probably have to step off the train. But So he's another guy that you probably could consider a value because he's going for most yeah. people like RB 30, 31, 32. Mm-hmm. And while I do think it is a crowded backfield with a- Adrian yeah. Peterson and the draft to Antonio Gibson, but Antonio Gibson right now, I mean, I don't think we can peg him into any, th- any sort of a role because we don't know how he's, how he's going to be utilized or deployed in that backfield. I think this is a positive because Darius Geis is going to be finally heading into the year healthy, which is the first time he's done it since his rookie, obviously his rookie year. But the MCL is not something that really worries me all that much. I know he got hurt and everything last year, but that's not something that really worries me. It's usually a pretty quick recovery and turnaround time. So getting this entire offseason to work and get himself in shape, like I think people are going to forget that Darius Geis was a really highly sought after prospect coming out, especially in dynasty circles. Whenever he was coming out, there was a lot of people Mm -hmm. debating him being the RB1. In that class, I think there is something there with Darius Guys. He was somebody earlier in the year that, like, I I was definitely much higher on. And I can see there's, I don't think that's a a bad thing because you're going to be able to get him at such a discount that even if he doesn't work out, so be it. But his upside, he certainly has RB1 upside in him if he can stay healthy and he gets the opportunities. Right. Yeah, it just all comes down to, all comes down to health with him. There's no, there's no doubting his talent, uh, the situation. It seems crowded. Uh, Kev, you alluded to the uh, my RB ranking video for the for the rookies. I have Antonio Gibson at seven, I believe. Um, and if guys can't stay healthy, I think Gibson is a is a name we we need to we need to monitor. But at three, I'm going to jump in. I have DK Metcalf. Um, I was kind of I was. A little, whenever you were talking about the uh, 
the definitions and how we were going to determine the players we were going to bring up. And you said about the top 24 wide receiver. I immediately went, oh, shit, I think I messed that up. But I was safe. Last year in half PPR leagues, DK Metcalf was uh, wide receiver 29. I was a little surprised to see that because it felt like he cut, like he already had a breakout year, more or less. He had a really nice year last year. Um, only had 100 targets, but he put up 58, 907. I might be a year early on this, but I feel like this is going to become DK is going to be the, the 1A instead of the 1B to, to lock it. Like I said, might be might be a year early, but the dude's an absolute monster. I didn't think I would be commending Seattle on the way that they utilized him last year. First half of the year basically is what he did at Ole Miss. Line up on the left side, run down the but then the second half of the year we saw him start to be used more ways, both sides of the fields, different routes and everything like that. So I'm really excited for DK Metcalf this year. And I think uh, I <clears throat> I'm gonna put him as a as a wide receiver one for 2020 oh so you're gonna talk you're just gonna leave it like that you're gonna sit here and just drop that fire you think he's gonna be a wide receiver one yeah he absolutely has wide receiver one upside at like the the back end i mean last year um half ppr leagues mike evans 67 1108 i mean all like dk wasn't that far off like i said 58 907 there's there's no reason why we couldn't see him jump up into you know that sort of range for for this year. Man, we we need to get Russell Wilson. I hope we get the squeaky wheel narrative. He's come out, he's said a little more up tempo, a little more passing. Why can we not have one year where Russ Wilson is just slinging it all over the field? Like we we need that. Let Russ cook. That's that's what we say. And I I have the uh horribly painful experience of being a Seahawks fan, um, being a Washingtonian. And so everything is music to my ears. I, I would love for DK to and Tyler to be that 1A, 1B team. I loved watching him last year. That was like one of my favorite things. My my little three-year-old, anytime we had the Seahawks on, would just chant DK, DK. We're big DK fans. And I totally agree. I think he has huge upside. That dude is a man child. He is inhuman. Um, and yes, always let Russ cook. Maybe one day they will just like uh, release Russ and just let him just, just go wild, right? Like it, it I don't how know. Did, maybe, how has it not happened already? Maybe, maybe when Pete Carroll finally either gets uh, you know fired or retires, one or the other there. Yeah. The way they run that team is, is, is beyond me. You would think they have like Alex Smith or Derek Carr back there at quarterback, but and yet they have arguably a top three, top four best quarterback in the league. Yeah, I, I have like uh, internal battles with Shoddy uh, Schottenheimer. Uh, every Sunday, I'm like, dude, what are we doing? Why, why are you calling this? Why aren't you letting him throw the ball? Like, it's not like we don't have the weapon, you know, in in Tyler and DK, and then you know, in some of the tight ends that we've talked about. Even though Disley was hurt last year, Hollister stepped up really nicely and kind of had a decent season in that kind of role. So, I mean. It's it's the perpetual question. Seahawks fans don't know why we can't just get like prime Russ to just be set free. We should start a petition or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and they've never really done much to really surround him with a lot of talent either. Or their offensive line. It's like they they're like they're like, hey, you know what? Like I got 
maybe they have some analytics or something that we don't know about that you don't actually need an offensive line to for, for your quarterback to stay healthy. So, like, if that would have been any other anybody else with that's not as athletic as, as he is, be able to get outside the pocket, like it would be a disaster because it's like they never care about their offensive line. No, it is it is it is maddening. So, anyways, I don't know. That seems pretty hot. I mean, that is a fiery take as a wide receiver one for DK Metcalf. I love DK Metcalf. Uh, and I think there's good things to come when they finally got him a true alpha. But uh, number one, okay, we'll see what happens. Wide receiver one, uh, DK Metcalf. We're going to write that one down, and we're going to lock that one in as a, as a take for uh, for Cody. I'm going to go on to my number three. It's Anthony Miller. I feel like that we've been waiting for this to really uh, come all together for Anthony Miller for the last couple of seasons. Uh, last year, uh, it kind of took him a while to get going. The last four weeks of the season, though, he finished. He was wide receiver 11 over the last four weeks. I like Anthony Miller a lot. I'm really hoping that this offense does take a step forward here. With Nick, I, it has to be Nick Foles. They traded for him. They're going to be paying him that uh, ungodly contract. I don't know why they traded for him when they could have just signed, you know, I don't know, Andy Dalton or Cam Newton or whomever. But I do think that this offense is going to take a step forward this year. Allen Robinson uh, drawing coverage away from Anthony Miller. So I do think that Anthony Miller has a chance to cook. They really don't have a true wide receiver three. Yes, they brought in Ted Ginn, but he is more of just that field stretcher. And then Darnell Mooney, which is one of my kind of uh, late round you know guys that I love. But I don't think he really has much of an impact this year. And again, he's more of a field stretcher anyways. So... I think, you know, things are all looking up for, for Anthony Miller. And I think he is kind of that late round flyer that I really like to take shots at because I think that he could end up taking another big step forward this year. Yeah, I tend to just kind of try to avoid any Chicago bear in general. But but I see what you're saying. I do agree. And, and I do hope they take a step forward because, man, that was painful to watch last year. Yeah. Well, you don't like Allen Robinson? What do you mean? Oh, I love A-Rob. It's just everybody else. Yeah, I've I have Allen Robinson, I think, as wide receiver nine or something like that. Loves Allen Robinson. He was such a value last year. He was going like what the sixth, seventh round or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. So I think now we're getting into the good spot. So let's hear your number two, Katie. All right. So I um I did mess up the wide receiver part. <laughs> I went with top twelve. I just read it wrong. But uh I had Terry McLaren McLaurin. Um, you know, Haskins was not great last year and you know rookie year we we know that kind of it takes some time for them to get adjusted so i'm hoping um that they've i've seen some stuff that they've been working out together um hopefully they're building that chemistry hopefully haskins can be a little more comfortable on the field this year but uh mclaurin sat out two games last year and he still almost eclipsed a thousand yard season for a rookie and had seven touchdowns um he had over 100 yards receiving in, in three games, and in all three of those games, he also had a touchdown. So, again, if that's his upside, I'm I'm all in. I think his dynasty price might be a touch high depending on, you know, kind of who you're playing with. But in redraft, uh, especially if you're playing with, like, more casual players who probably don't watch Washington because um, you could definitely be a really good value for this year. Oh, you ain't going to get no argument from here. This is a Terry McLaurin-friendly podcast here. Love some F1, <laughs> but – uh, I mean, and, and to be honest, they should already have the chemistry because they were uh, teammates in college, right? So, yeah. I mean, that, with that, I mean, they, they should already have that. But uh, although yeah. he seemed to play better last year with Case Keenum in the lineup than Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins did show some flashes. We'll see. Yeah. And But they also have Alex Smith coming back. So, you know, which is going to be an excellent story if he actually, you know, gets us playing a game and starting a game. So, 
yeah. they said it's going to be a battle. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, this is a new coaching staff. So, I mean, they don't really have yeah. anything tied to Dwayne Haskins, but I love Terry McLaurin. I think like, honestly, for me, he's probably the best wide receiver of that class last year. And I know some people may argue that uh, could be, you know, AJ Brown or DK Metcalf. But for me, it's Terry McLaurin. I, I think that dude's an absolute beast. And he was somebody that a lot of people kind of looked over and, and it wasn't yeah. on a lot of people's radars. And then he just came out and ate. Katie, uh, you're, you're actually, you're fine. Uh, in half PPR scoring anyway, he was wide receiver 28. So you're uh, you're good. <laughs> Score. It, it does, he, like, it was the same way I felt about DK. Like, it felt like he should have, like, he had more yeah. of a wide receiver two season than, than that mid-wide receiver three. I actually did mess up because I had Tyler Boyd here, but he has been a wide receiver too uh, in back-to-back years, so that doesn't work. So I'm going to pivot here. Um, Christian Kirk, I'm going to roll with him. I think he was like wide receiver 40 last year, somewhere uh, somewhere in that neck of the woods and half PPR scoring. Um, I think this is the year I, – I think the addition of DeAndre Hopkins helps – does not does not really hurt Kirk. I think he was better suited as a as a wide receiver two versus a wide receiver one in the first place. And I think this will be the year that we start to see more of what we thought we were going to get with Cliff Kingsbury, where it's more vertical than horizontal. I think we're going to see more four wide receiver sets. They just literally couldn't do it last year. I mean, they're running out Demir Bird and whoever else, and that it just was not working. So this year. I think we see more of the vertical-based, heavier passes, uh, like a heavier passing offense, more four wide receiver sets, and I think Christian Kirk is going to be a uh, going to be a beneficiary of said offense. Are you worried all about Larry Fitzgerald? I think there's going to be enough to go around. Like I don't, I don't, I don't think D Hop gets his like one sixty, one seventy anymore. I think he drops down a little bit. I think Fitz, he was around, well, like 100 or so last year, I, I believe, maybe like 90. I might be completely wrong on that. Um, no, 109. So, I mean, he could stay around there. Christian Kirk had 108 last year. So if Kirk bumps up to that 120-ish range, I think it's going to be more than more than enough to go around in that offense. I don't know if I see his target share going up that much, but I, but I do think that his efficiency is going to rise with another year mm-hmm. with – when I also think having DeAndre Hopkins at alpha in the offense where uh, DBs are going to have to really um, focus on him, that's going to allow Christian Kirk to really get over the top and oh, he kind of open up this entire offense. So um, I'm not as high on DeAndre Hopkins as a lot of other people are, and I actually have him as like wide receiver nine, I think, right now, wide receiver 10, something like that, somewhere in that range. I just think that he's going to suffer um, a drop off in targets, and I just think there's some other options here. Um, I do know that you know with a wide receiver or running a four wide receiver sets, I think that's going to you know uh, Cliff Kingsbury wants to spread the ball around. He's not somebody who's just going to sit here and pe- uh, that, or that's what he wants in his offenses. So I do think that's probably. And then there's also another guy who's actually my number two, and that is Kenyon Drake, right? I think Kenyon Drake is going to absolutely eat this year. I do not think it's crazy to say that I think that he certainly has RB1. I think he also has top five, possibly top three upside in this offense. Uh, we saw it last year once he took over, or once he was traded for in week nine. He has the backfield to himself. He's never finished higher than RB16. But he finishes RB4 over the final seven games he played. He played at least 63% of the snaps in every game with the Cardinals. And he played at least 80% of the snaps in five of those seven games. Uh, David Johnson is obviously gone. Chase Edmonds and Eno Benjamin are, the, are, the, are going to be fighting for that backup role. So I think there's really lots of like here. He finished 13th in targets 
um, over that span of seven games with the Cardinals. And he, plus he also had, he finished seventh in rushing yards and he also scored eight touchdowns in those seven games. So there's a lot to like about Kenyon Drake. And I think he's going a little bit later than he should be. Um, I have him currently at RB 10, I believe. Um, I could probably have him move him up even higher. I probably will as, as things progress because there's just nothing there that really scares me with him. And I think he could end up um, really running probably at least 60% of the touches in that backfield and somebody that's got to get a lot of targets as well. So I like Kenyon Drake quite a bit. Okay, if you don't yeah. that's uh that's a little flash in the pan or some of his carries go away if they're going to be if they're going to be going to a more pass heavy offense at all. No, because I think I think that what he loses there he can make up in receptions as well because he wasn't targeted a ton. I mean, he 30 targets over seven games. I think there's some room to grow there for him. And he's certainly a more of the capable pass catcher. And I really think it's what it's going to do is once you open up those passing lanes and you spread the, you know, spread the defense out, it's going to r- open up those rushing lanes as well for him to be able to, you know, ha- have some of those long gains. So like I said, I mean, he's, he's not somebody that's never had an RB one season. He did finish as an RB two last year, but a lot of that came on the back of, of what he did once he got to Arizona. Cause I mean, he largely did not do a ton with Miami. I like Kenyon Drake a lot. And I, I think somebody that, I mean, you can get him in the third round or, I mean, I, even in the late second, like I love that. Yeah, I, I think he's going to have a great season. And as much as it pains me as a Seahawks fan to say, I'm really intrigued and a little bit excited to see this Cardinals offense. I think that, uh, they might be kind of an under the radar kind of scary team. Um, if, if they can, you know, get the scheme right and get the personnel right and, and have it all kind of come together, I think they might be a scary one to go up against. Um, that whole division, to be honest with you, though, is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, you have the 49ers, the Rams. Well, I don't know about the Rams. The Rams, they might actually be the worst team in that division at this point. And then, which is crazy to say, but a team that yeah. a couple of years ago was in the Super Bowl. But, I mean, the Cardinals are going to be a lot of fun. The 49ers are going to be just probably just as good as they were last year. And then, the, you know, the Seahawks are always good. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be a fun division to watch. I, I'm not sure if we're always good, but we're always lucky. That's <laughs> we got that on our side. We yeah. Yeah, so. but I mean, how many times have they not made the playoffs with Russ, though? I mean, very few, right? Right. Yeah, but I mean, there's been some games where we somehow pull out a W, and I'm like, we should not. That Russ magic. Uh, that Russ magic. Yeah. I tell you, he, oh. he he threw a dagger into my heart a couple years ago with the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, man. All love to Russ Wilson, man. He's he's the best. But uh, yeah, could you imagine I, how bad the Seahawks would be though if they didn't have him? Unbearable, unbearable. It would be awful. Truly. Yeah. yeah. All right. So my number one uh, breakout that I'm kind of planting my flag on, and and again, this is one of those guys that maybe it's just a personal thing that I just really root for this guy, and I want to see him do well. But Teddy Bridgewater, um, I think, is gonna really step up in his, you know, starting quarterback role. We got to see him do a little bit in, in New Orleans last year, since coming back from that horrific injury a few years ago. Um, You know, he's got one of the easiest quarterback schedules going up this next year. He's got a pretty good core of, of people really DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, McCaffrey, even Ian Thomas, you know, is someone who is kind of flying on the radar of, you know, those kind of later tight end picks, Um, you know, just really uh, one thing that impressed me is upside in the Tampa Bay game last year had like over 300 yards passing four touchdowns. You know, if that's, if that's what he can bring to the table. Um, granted, you know, Tampa wasn't, you know, the best defense last year, but um, 
I think he's really got a great upside. Got a really good core of guys to throw to. So if the chemistry's there, I think we see Bridgewater kind of reemerge. And again, if you're playing with, you know, maybe some more casual players, they might not be as inclined to take him as one of the kind of bigger names. So you might be able to get a really good value on him. I personally, um, in some of my dynasty stuff and that I've just now started doing, just kind of started dabbling in dynasty recently, uh, have been able to get him for a really good price. So I've been really happy with picking him up. Again, he's another team that's playing in one of these divisions where there's going to be a lot of shootouts, right? I mean, the NFC square, they're going to be going against, I mean, the Falcons, the Saints, and the Bucks are all going to be games, and their defense is going to be horrible this year. You know, obviously, Luke Keekley is retired. They lost Bradbury. So, I mean, this defense wasn't very good last year as it is. So, they're going to have to throw the ball. They have an offensive minded, you know, with Joe Brady now there. So, there is stuff to like with him. I, I struggle personally because I am not, uh, I love Teddy Bridgewater, the story. I have never yeah. been a big Teddy Bridgewater, the football player fan. I do think, though, with where he is currently going, like he's, he's basically free. Um, if he's not yeah. going undrafted, he's going uh, 14th, 15th round, something like that. There's certainly yeah. upside there, especially, like I said, because you, you, you definitely want to target players who are on offense. They're going to be throwing the ball a ton. I definitely think they're going to be a team that's in the top 10 in pass attempts this year, um, maybe even top five. And so those are all things you look for. I question, can he get the ball deep? Basically, what he was last year was mainly a guy who liked to dump it off a lot. Um, he, did, he was not willing to... Throw, uh, throw the deep ball. Now he was efficient whenever he did it. He was very efficient in, in his deep ball, but he was like 34th, I think, in deep ball attempts. Um, I, that those are my issues with him. I do think the upside's there, and you're already taking all the risk out of it. So if he does not work out, you can always move on. And like I said, I think with the like you mentioned with the weapons with DJ Moore, absolutely love DJ Moore. I have him as an I have him as a wide receiver one, which most people do. And then with Curtis Samuel. Uh, Christian McCaffrey catching 100 balls out of the backfield. I think there's a lot to like there with him as well. Yeah, the thing I like about Teddy this year, one, the the price, he's free, and two, he's not going to have to do much, right? Like, if it, it will be interesting to see how quickly this offense can get on track with all the different pieces they have from the coaching staff on down. But mm-hmm. he, like, he's not going to have to be so, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's not actually going to have to be, like, a good quarterback to give us good right. fantasy results. Like with with the way that offense is set up, four wide, that the run after catch ability and everything else. So that's that's one that's going to be like one of my one of the top offenses I'm going to be looking forward to see and just see how everything is able to able to gel. You're number one. Go ahead and speak to my soul. With that would be Mr. Miles Sanders. Now, admittedly, this, did that hit you? Did that hit you in the soul, Kev? Like that? Like that is? Yeah, I felt like we should have put on some like uh, some Casey and JoJo or something, you know, voice <laughs> man or you know, little Marvin Gaye, Michael Bolton, if you will. I don't know. Hey, whatever. Little known fact: that's the uh, that's the voice that I spoke in for two months before my wife, my now wife, would start talking to me. So that's how I that's how I got her in the bag. <laughs> I started yeah, talking like this, and she was just like, "What the fuck happened?" Um, anyway, Miles Sanders, it, it it almost feels like it's a little bit of low hanging fruit, but I'm I'm all in on Miles this year. I don't care if they bring anybody in. Get out of here with your Devonta Freeman bullshit. Let someone else believe in that. Let that drive his price down. To me, like it wasn't going to matter who they brought in anyway. Maybe it's my Penn State blinders. But the, the dude was really good last year. Um, he was RB15 and half PPR scoring. And that was only on 229 touches. And he had a four-week stretch, I think it was, where he only had 21 total carries. 
So even if they do bring someone in, like he's not going to go a four-week stretch out of injury where he's only going to be receiving 21 carries. Uh, they've obviously added some speed during uh, during the offseason with Goodwin and our boy Jalen Rager coming in as well. So that's obviously going to help everybody out in the uh, in the offense. But honestly, it's I, I think it's wheels up for him no matter what. And Kev, you talked about Kenyon Drake having like RB3 overall upside. I think that is Miles Sanders' spot, and he is coming for it. I own some uh, Miles Sanders as well, so I love some Miles Sanders. I think people are sleeping on him. It's like the people that want him to fail or want to are not on the side of him, and so they look for anything they possibly can to try to. So they could sign anybody. You know, they could bring Jeremy Hill back off the street, and they would they they'd be like, "See, look, look who they just signed." It was like the same thing with Damian Williams last year, right? Whenever they brought in Lashawn McCoy, and it was immediately like, "Yep." Or when they draft, or after the draft Darwin. last year, Darwin Thompson, everyone was like, "Yeah, guys, wait, the six round pick is, is is gonna come in and eat right away. This five foot eight, hundred eighty pound running back is all of a sudden gonna be the lead back of the Chiefs. You guys just wait." And it's, that, that's what people look. If they are not as high on a player, they will try to find whatever they can to fit their narrative. And that's the same thing with Miles Sanders. And it's ridiculous. There is literally nobody they could bring in right now that would that would worry me at this point. So whether it's Devonta Freeman who is washed, whether it's Lashawn McCoy comes back who's washed, like it doesn't matter to me. I actually think if I was going to want anybody out of that backfield other than Miles Sanders, I think taking a shot on Boston Scott late in PPR leagues, I think is actually a pretty smart move as well because I think he's going to have some PPR upside as well in him. Uh, we saw him pretty efficient last year down the stretch as well. So um, I like Boston Scott a little bit more um, as well as kind of a late round flyer. So for me, my number one is, again, I feel like this was kind of low-hanging fruit as well. But I'm going to go all in on Calvin Ridley. I think he is somebody that people should be looking at as a possible wide receiver one again this year, heading into the third his third year with the Atlanta Falcons. We, t- I, we already kind of talked about it, but this team was number one. or Yeah, they were number one last year in pass attempts per game. He played 13 games, missed three games, the abdominal, abdominal strain. 63 receptions on 93 targets for 866 yards and seven touchdowns. I think there's definitely room for growth. Last year, he finished with 17.7 target share. But this year, Austin Hooper and uh, Muhammad Sanu are both gone. They combined for over 120 targets. There's no real threat at wide receiver three with Russell Gage, Christian Blake, or if you have any belief that Laquan Treadwell is all of a sudden going to become a thing. If not, he really has no other target share outside of Hayden Hurst, who has uh, who they brought in at tight end. But like I said, they were first in the league in pass attempts of 45.9 attempts per game. That's not going to change, even though they spent a heavy draft capital along their defense to try to improve it. But that defense is still going to be pretty bad. They lost some pieces along that Vic Beasley and some other pieces there along that defense. So I do not think that this is a team that's going to be able to, they're going to have to throw the ball a ton. And if you look back at a guy like Matt Ryan, Matt, do you know how long it's been since Matt Ryan hasn't thrown for 4,000 yards in a season? 2007 was the last time that he hasn't thrown for 4,000 yards in a year. So uh, I, there's a lot to love with Matt, uh, with this entire offense, and I think Calvin Ridley is somebody I am all about, and I think he's the Chris Godwin of this year, uh, to be honest with you. And I was all about Chris Godwin last year, pounding the table all offseason, and Chris Godwin was going too low. And so I know somebody today on Twitter was talking about Calvin Ridley and saying, you know, how high would you want to take him because he's turning into the Chris Godwin of last year. And I have no problem taking him even in the second round, to be honest, late second mm-hmm early third. I have no problem taking him there. I think he pays off that upside. And I like, like I said, I think Calvin Ridley has, um, is somebody that could easily finish. Like I said, you know, the top five wide receiver. 2007, I was 
in seventh grade when okay. Matt Ryan <laughs> when Matt Ryan threw for less than four thousand. And people yards. don't seem yeah. like people don't like love Matt Ryan either. Like every year in fantasy, like he's this kind yeah. of like ah, like he's Matt Stafford. Like he's a lot like yeah. Matt Stafford. Right? Matt Stafford is almost always free every year in yeah. fantasy drafts. And Matt Stafford is a baller like Matt Stafford last year was killing it before he got hurt and again he's going for most people like undrafted he may be going like 15 16th you know uh, overall or not overall but quarterbacks at 15 16th off a board it's ridiculous the dude should be locked in every year as QB1 for people the dude just constantly puts up points and just people are just like ah it's whatever it's just Matt Stafford I'm not I don't want that guy and the guy cooks every year same thing with Matt Ryan Matt Ryan cooks every single year and here we are. So Matt Ryan's a little bit more uh, up and down, but I know last year everybody was super high on him, and I'm high on that entire offense again. I think it's going to be a, a very consolidated in terms of targets with Julio Jones. But, I mean, Julio Jones is what? I mean, I'm not calling for a drop-off for Julio where I think Julio is going to fall off a cliff, but he's getting closer to that age apex where you have to start really thinking about that with him. I mean, this is what, his age 31 season. He's had injuries in it throughout his career with his foot and everything else. So that, that cliff is coming for him. And so I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see with, with Julio. I'm like I said, I'm not calling. I still think Julio should be a top five wide receiver off the board, but it wouldn't surprise me if something were to happen to him or he, you know, he uh, declines a little bit. So we'll see. Um, but I definitely like Calvin Ridley. And I think uh, all, all he's definitely is locked in as the number two target here in this offense. Yeah. The, uh, the Chris Godwin reference is, uh, is on point. I think it's exactly what what's going to happen with him is everyone's going to be, you know, we're going to see all these, like, look at this sleeper, got to draft him, got to draft him. And then it's going to get to the point where it's going to, the articles will start coming out as like, is he going too high now? <laughs> we found out with Chris Gowan last year, he wasn't. Uh, he was still he an not. incredible value. Like, yeah, I he think he not. was going for most people in like the fourth, fifth round. Um, and you would have taken him in the second round. It would have been perfectly fine because he finishes, what, wide receiver two, and he missed a couple of games down the stretch. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot to like there with, uh, with, uh, like Chris Godwin. And then now this year with Calvin Ridley, they're very, very, very similar. Anyways, with that, I think that pretty much recaps, uh, our top breakout candidates for, uh, 2020. I'm sure we'll do this again because, you know, the winds of change that happen throughout the off season. I think here in a couple of weeks, I believe that we're going to start actually Cody, have you done your rankings yet? Here and there. A little, <laughs> little bit of yes, a little bit of no. I've, I've got a player put in place, a couple, maybe two, you know? I opened up the uh, the Fantasy Pro site. I, I moved a quarterback up, quarterback down, then I said, that's uh, that's enough of this, and I'll, I'll come back to it later. No, I, I, I did I did start to, like, go through some of them and get the ones who I felt were, like, going too high, too low, but I have to I just have to go through and kind of cement them as, as much as they can be cemented for, for this early in the year. Because uh, I believe not that next week, but the week after, we start our uh, our rookie our, our ranking show so we start breaking down our rankings which is so exciting to do but the the folks we're here for the folks right we're here for the, the listeners we're not here for us correct do you love rankings katie are, are those your favorite thing ever to put together no <laughs> they're really not um i i don't know if it's that i don't have the time or or if it's the patience or what but uh i like to I like to research other people's rankings and compare and contrast it to kind of make my own decisions like up here of, of kind of what my tendencies are. But yeah, I, I can't, I rarely sit down and actually like, you know, yeah. Co- Cody loves putting together rankings. Like he's like, he's been asking me for weeks. Like, dude, can we start putting together the rankings? Can we, and I'm like, Hey, we're, <laughs> we, we can, let's wait till June to, to make this happen. I've been super, super excited about it. Like I'm, <laughs> 
I'm trying to contain myself right now because if if I let myself go, it's it's gonna get wild in here. So I'm, I'm gonna gonna hold back, and we we will see my excitement in in two weeks, I guess. So might have been done since like March. You've got yours done, yeah, since like March. I am an overachiever, and then after that, I went and updated them for the rookies and got my you know rookies involved in there, and then I've kind of tweaked them here and there as, as time has went on. And that's, but see, now it's good because I don't have to worry about it. I, I just kind of make some incremental changes. We learn a little bit more. So maybe an injury happens here and there, and I don't have to do anything else. You haven't even started, so you have to go through all this and do this. I've always been the procrastinator, though. You know what I mean? I always uh, wait yes. for the last yep. minute to, yeah. to do shit. So if I if I did it any other way, it, it just would not fit uh, the hedge life. So That is true. That would be uh, against the brand. Against the brand. Anyways, all right. Well, we said we wanted to have it done in under an hour, and here we are, 59 minutes. Nailed it. We're going we're gonna to come in under that. So, anyways, Katie, I really appreciate you having you, having you on. Um, excellent, excellent show. And you can find her on Twitter at KatieBabs23, like Jordan, right? Is that, is, that, is that where that you got that from? I did, yeah. Yep. Um, my number growing up. And, uh, yeah, but thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hopefully I can come back and, and do it again soon sometime. And hopefully you guys have seen she's the man by then. <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, we'll put that on the, uh, the, to do the, to do list, right. The calendar. So yeah. And we, you know, we're trying to get her to come back and do some more content, but she's a busy person. So we'll see if we can, uh, we can make that happen so she can keep dropping fire and napalm on everybody. Well, we'll see. I've got some, uh, really cool, Kind of stuff happening behind the scenes that will kind of dictate what my uh, abilities are this season. But uh, more on that later, hopefully. We'll see. Well, we do, too. We do, too. Uh, love having you here. Love having you take. So, again, uh, you can find her on Twitter at KatieBabs23. You can find Cody on Twitter at CCutzerFF. You can find me on Twitter at FantasyGrath13. But you already knew that because all of my Twitter follower clout that I have. Anyways... <laughs> Throw that in, right? Uh, ego. Anyways, uh, till next week. Actually, until Thursday, whenever we uh, record the next episode of the Fantasy or Frontlines of Fantasy podcast. We will see you then. Peace. We hope you enjoy your stay. It's good to have you with us, even if it's just for the day. We hope you enjoy your stay. Outside the sun is shining Seems like heaven ain't far away It's good to have you with us
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.